0: I'm glad you're here today. Jesus is our way maker. When there seems to be no way, he has a way. He is at work. He never stops working. What a great anthem song for us. There's, uh, there's been some songs over our history, short history here as Vertical, that have stood out as those kind of, um, well, anthem type songs. I believe this is going to be one of those for us as we declare and believe what God is doing. We will hold to that and believe He will make a way. I'm excited because this past week we started our Wednesday night classes here at Vertical. And our steps class met in the office. Our student ministry is in Main Street. Our children's ministry in Extreme is upstairs in the kids area. And Heather and I were leading a group in here, seven weeks to a greater marriage. And we were excited to have 50 in the room this past Wednesday night right in here. Yes, we're very glad for that. And it was couples who've been married, um, you know, some that are actually getting married tomorrow, Truett and Shaley, yes, they were here. But there are some who've been married less than a year, Nick and Taylor, but there are some who've been married many, many, many years who were here as well. There were some who couldn't come as a couple, so one of the other came in the, of the group, of their couple, and were here as well. So, no matter where you are in the spectrum of your marriage I'm sure you want a greater marriage, so I invite you to come this Wednesday night. If you missed the first week, that's okay. You can still join us this Wednesday night. I'll give you a a heads-up hint of what's coming, so here it is. Guys, seven things your wife really wants from you, but she may not have ever told you. Mm, How about that? (laughs) Ladies, seven things your husband really wants from you, but he may not have ever told you. Come this Wednesday night. You find out the answer to both of those. Fair enough? Cool. All right. I can tell you're excited. Good. <clears throat> was it nervous? Is that what it was? Excited or nervous? Answer? I don't know what it was. Whatever. Come this Wednesday night and find out the answer to all of those. madam um, aren't you glad that God makes a way? Aren't you glad that in those moments when there wasn't a way, he showed up and made a way? In those moments where... Your own instincts told you one thing, but you chose to have faith instead. Your emotions told you one thing, but you chose to have faith instead. And when you did, he did something miraculous. He did something bigger than what you thought. He did something greater than what you thought. This is what God does. He provides a way when there seems to be no way. And I'm not talking about just financial needs, job needs, anything like that. Those apply as well. But I'm talking about some of the deeper stuff. When you thought there was no way to get rid of your guilt, he made a way. When you thought there was no way to get past the place where you're just in turmoil and conflict inside all the time, he made a way. When you thought there'd be no way to bring some emotional stability to who you are, he made a way. When you thought there'd be no way to end the racing thoughts, he makes a way because this is what he does. For those who will put him first, first things first, he will always make a way. For those who will believe him and trust him, he will always make a way. And usually that way is miraculous. And this is what. Our series is about, this is what our message is today. God will make a way. Turn your Bible to 2 Chronicles 20, Old Testament. Great story today about how God works in the lives of His people and how God is at work in you. I can tell you this already if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God has done a work in your life already. He has done something great in you. You have a story or stories about what He has done. He has set you free, He has set you up. He has seated you with him. He's done incredible things in your life. And here's the deal. You experienced that when you believed him by faith. The beauty of God is he doesn't just stop with that one experience. He wants to show you so much more of who he is. He wants you to grow in your faith. He wants you to trust him more because that's when you get to experience more of him. So he's wise enough, great enough that he will arrange situations in our lives that put us in a place to need him and trust him. He's he's good like that. He really is good. He, He knows how to arrange life your life in just the right way for you to cry out, believe him, and then trust him. In other words, there's nothing in your life that is coincidence, random, by chance, or controlled by anyone else, or controlled by you. It's by him. If he brought it, he's got a purpose for it. He's wanting to take you somewhere. He's wanting to lead you somewhere. And that thing that you think has come into your life that is difficult, overwhelming, and even impossible, that thing that you think is an indicator that he may have left you, may have drifted far away from you, is not that at all. That thing that's come into your life that is a challenge, a struggle, even impossible to you, is exactly what you need to see him in a way you never have before. He's that good. And when you put first things first, oh, you'll find him to be that good. First things first. Second Chronicles chapter 20 today is a story about a man named Jehoshaphat. Yeah. If you had that name, you might, you might be a little nervous, the fact that he ended with fat. That just doesn't sound good, right? Jehoshaphat. And there's really no way to say it without just that being a part of it. So Jehoshaphat is his name. It didn't mean the same back then as it does to us today. It wasn't so offensive. It was a good thing. And this man, he's the leader. He's the leader of the people of Judah. And he has really accomplished some amazing things in his time as leader. He has brought a revival really to the land. He came in, cleaned some things up. He took out what was the idol worship in the land. He removed all the the places where they worship false gods. He removed all the cult prostitution that was going on. He removed all the false gods in the land and he sent prophets and priests into the land to have them declare God's word. And there begins to be a change. And all of a sudden, there's a heart for God returning to the people. And there's a prosperity that comes to the people. The nation begins to be set free. Good leader leads to good people in a group. It's true in a marriage. It's true in a church. True in a community. True in a nation. The leader determines the direction. What goes first determines the rest. It's a principle we've looked at in this series so far, First Things First. And God's been good to Jehoshaphat. He's been real good to him. And you might think, wow, he's been so good to him. We'll just sit back and watch what happens the rest of his life. No, you see, God is faithful. If he was good to you once... He'll be good to you again and he'll arrange a situation to put you in where you're going to need to trust him and he'll show himself strong. Second Chronicles chapter 20, in case I haven't said that already several times, it's where we are today. We start in verse one. It says, it happened after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon with others, them besides the Ammonites came to battle against, against Jehoshaphat. This is a lot of people against him. He was a good man. He was serving God. He was doing the right thing. Yet he has opposition coming against him. Just because you're a follower of Christ doesn't mean you're not going to have any opposition. In fact, it just about ensures you're going to. You're going to have some opposition. Just because you're believing by faith doesn't mean you're not going to have some opposition because God is faithful to use opposition for his glory and our good. And Jehoshaphat's got it bad. I mean, he's, he's fat with troubles here. He's Jehoshaphat with troubles here. He's got, wow, a lot of moaning. It sounds like my kids when I tell a joke. He's got opposition coming against him, and it's not just one person. It's not just two people. It's not just a few friends. These are entire people groups. These are military strategists, These are people set on his destruction, and they're coming after him. And in his struggle, he's about to learn a powerful lesson. He's about to go through an experience. Jehoshaphat's a man who has learned to put first things first, and we'll see if he does it in this situation. What God does with Jehoshaphat, he does with us. He's looking for us to put first things first. Verse 2, then came, I'm sorry, then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar. Now, I'm not sure if this is the best group of friends to have around you or not. It says, some came and to hold Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming after you. They're coming to you. Doesn't say they're willing to help. Doesn't it say they wanted to assist him, protect him or anything. They just come and tell him, hey, you got trouble coming. Thanks, friends. Thanks for the good word. You got enemies coming after you. They're coming to you, Jehoshaphat. They're coming against you. The pressure's on. Do you realize the significance of what's coming against you, Jehoshaphat? Friends, come and tell him, All that's about to happen. Now, have you ever been in a moment like that before? Where it's not just one person who's coming against you. It's not just one group, one scenario. It's like multiple scenarios. It's kind of the, when it rains, it pours a moment. They start coming, they all start coming. And that's the situation here. He's got opposition coming against him. Maybe you've had this before. I'm not talking necessarily about just your boss who you feel like is after you. I'm not talking to you about just your coworkers who you feel like are after you. I'm not talking about someone who you thought was a friend who's come after you. I'm not just talking about that family member that feels like it's at odds with you. I'm not talking about just disease that's come maybe against you. I'm not talking about a financial situation that may be coming against you. Those all may come against you, and they feel like a lot of enemies come against you at once, too. That can happen. And, boy, when they all come at once, it can be tough. But God is faithful So if I'm not talking about those things, what am I talking about? It could be that the attackers that you're facing today are not those. It's not a boss, it's not a friend, it's not a family member, it's not a financial situation, it's not a disease. It might be something much more internal. You see, there are some other enemies, some other attackers who love to come against us today. Maybe it's depression Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's panic attacks. Maybe it's racing thoughts. Maybe it's overwhelming temptation. Maybe it's some stubbornness that's built up in your heart. Maybe it's arrogance. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe it's skepticism. Maybe it's laziness. Maybe it's something else like that. Nonetheless, it's pressing in. You feel it. You feel it throughout your day, you feel it in those moments when it just all of a sudden gets kind of quiet and your your thoughts are all of a sudden just there, you and them, and they start racing, and they start coming against you. Maybe you're under some kind of spiritual attack today, maybe you're under the pressure, under the gun. Whatever it is, here's a guy who can relate Jehoshaphat. He knows what it's like to have multitudes against him. We can identify. The story goes on. It tells us what happened. Verse 3, and Jehoshaphat feared. I get it. Man, you hear these are all coming against you? You look at your resources. You look at your situation. You look how much you've got, how much they've got. You look at your size. You look at their size. You look at the setting. You look at the circumstances. And you think, oh, we ah, what's with them is more than what's with me. And Jehoshaphat says he feared but he did the right thing, as it says, and set himself to seek the Lord. Boy, so wise. Jehoshaphat had learned a very valuable lesson up to this point already. It was the lesson of first things first. If I'm going to have some thoughts, I'm going to let the first part of those thoughts be in seeking God. If I'm going to have some emotions that are welling up within me, I'm going to let the first part of those emotions be God's. If I'm going to have a first of anything in my life, a first response, a first plan, a first perspective, first, I give those to God and i let him drive the first. Because what's in the first determines what happens with the rest. And Jehoshaphat says, look, if fear's coming against me, I'm going to seek the Lord. But because he's a leader, he knew it's more than that. It says he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Mm, smart man wise men. We're all going to pray. We're all going to fast. This affects all of us. We're going to seek God together. We're going to limit what we physically take in so that we can spiritually take in something greater. I'm going to limit my feeling-based side of my life, and I'm going to enhance the spiritual side of my life. I'm going to Defer to what God says first, and we're going to seek him together. Verse 4 and 5 tell us, and I'm going to summarize some verses here for the sake of our story and time. Verse 4 and 5 tell us that he went into the house of the Lord, and he began to seek him and the people as well. Verses 6 through 11 record for us a beautiful prayer that Jehoshaphat prays. I'd encourage you to go back and read that at some point. I'll summarize for you. Here's what Jehoshaphat said in his prayer. God, you are over all. You are the maker of all. You are greater than the kingdoms around us. You are greater than us. You've given us promises and you've kept us safe. When we trusted you, you showed yourself strong. So God, these groups that have risen up against us, you are more mighty than them. You are greater than them, so we trust you. Way to go, Jehoshaphat. Great prayer for a leader. Great prayer of what to do in the moment when you don't know what to do. I love the fact in verse 12, he ends the prayer with this. He says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Ooh. God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to plan. I don't know where to go. I don't know even know what to do next. This news of what's coming against me is bigger than what I can even know what to do with. So God, all I know is that my eyes are on you. Mm. That's first things first. I could look out at the enemy coming against me, but I'm gonna put my eyes on you. I could look at how much I have and find out that I don't have much, but my eyes are on you. I could look to see who makes sure who's with me in this deal, but my eyes are on you. I could look inside myself and see if I can figure this whole thing out, but he doesn't. He says, our eyes are upon you. You get the first, and you will direct and guard our steps. Verse 13. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Whew. I want to just pause right here a moment. We've taken in a, an epic story so far of opposition in the enemy. It's great. He's rushing in to concerned. concern. He seeks God. He calls for the whole land to fast and to pray, and they do. And there's this little verse tucked in here, verse 13. All of Judah, this nation, it says they're standing there before the Lord. They're all gathered together, and the scripture is very specific here. They were there, the men, their little ones, the little babies, their wives, their children, they're all there together to seek after God's will. This is powerful. You see, as we've said before, God always responds when there's faith. Whenever you choose to trust him, he rushes to that moment to show himself faithful. But what I've experienced in my life is that when I am standing with my wife and when my children were in on this deal and we were seeking the Lord together, mm, I'm telling you, God really rushes to that scene. The first time I ever Experienced that. Um, Heather and I were living in Midlothian, and we had three kids up to this point. I'm sorry, four. We had little Taylor, and she was young at the time. And our house was small at the time, and we wanted to be in Ovilla. Found a house, needed to sell the one we had hadn't even put a sign out in the yard yet. And these folks in Ovilla were ready to sell. Heather and I talked about it. And I'd heard about this principle of bringing your children in and praying together. So we brought the kids in. They're young. They can't understand the fullness of what's happening here. But they understand when you tell them, we're going to pray and ask God to do something. They can understand that. So we did. I, I remember it very clearly us getting together, the children, and we explained the situation. We said, this looks, I won't say impossible, but very difficult. We don't know how in the world this could happen. We'd we'd love to move to Ovilla, and we're going to pray and ask God to sell this house as we can buy that house. We prayed with the kids, a simple act of faith. Went to bed that night, got up the next morning, we had bought, this was the other crazy part of the deal, a for sale by owner sign. I did not even know what that meant. I just knew I'd heard you could save some money doing it. Okay. Put this sign out in the yard, leave to go to work. Heather calls me within an hour. Hey, um, there's a lady that just stopped by. She saw the sign in the yard, knocked on the door. She wanted to see the house. I showed her. And she says, I'll take it for what you're asking. Wow. Wow. You're kidding me. We sold that house. Boom, just like that. And God made a way for her to get this other house. And that's why we are here in Ovilla now. And I believe it was because we include our children in the mix. I'm telling you, God responds to faith. But when family and children together are in the mix, and he wants to show himself strong, Mm, he loves to do that when people are together. I've seen it happen for couples. I've seen it happen for families, and it happens in churches. When a church is together, their hearts as one, and they're seeking him, and by faith believing him, powerful things happen. It happens with friends, marriages, families. God always shows up to make a way when we believe. So this verse is powerful. Here's a nation. They're all standing together. The children, the little ones, the wives, the husbands, they're all standing together to believe, and they're trusting him. It says in verse 15, the second part, that, that God spoke through one of the ministry leaders that were there. I'm, I'm condensing some of the story here. Verse 15, the second part says that this person said, Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. That battle that you're facing, that opposition that's against you right now, that thing that's come against you that you don't know what to do with, that thing that's bigger than what you have right now, that thing that has more resources than you have resources, that thing that seems impossible for you right now, this is not God against you. This is God for you, but you're going to have to see it rightly. You're going to have to see it as the fact that God brought it. God's going to practically, God's going to practically use it in your life, and God's going to deliver you through it. But you got to change how you see. You're going to have to see it with faith. You're going to have to see that this God that you believe really is a way maker. All right? Let's go on the story. Mm. Verse 16. Here's the instructions. You got the promise that God's going to deliver, you got the promise that you shouldn't be afraid. You got the promise that this battle is not yours, that this battle belongs to God. Let me just say something else before I go on. Let's, go, let's just go back to that verse. I don't want to miss anything here. You see, there are some battles you and I are to fight, but there are some battles you and I have no business putting our hands on. If you're trying in some way to work off that guilt that's working in your heart, that battle is not yours. That battle is the Lord's. That's for him to do. And you're you're supposed to trust him to take care of that. You're supposed to believe that the cross actually completed that process and he's done with that. That battle is the Lord, not yours. That thing that's in your life right now that's keeping you from having real peace in your life, that's not your battle to try to figure out and win. The only battle is for you to believe that God is the one who is the peacemaker and to believe that he has made peace already through the cross and you rest in his power and strength. That's his battle, not yours. I'm going to take my jacket off. (laughs) That battle that you're struggling with, even over your sin, stay with me here, even that battle that you're trying to overcome in your own strength That battle is God's battle. What you're supposed to do is surrender and say, God, this is your battle. I will rest in the fact that you have forgiven me of my sins and you've actually declared me righteous by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to rest in that and that battle will be yours to take care of. I just have to rest in you. Come on now. You see, there's some battles you and I are called to fight, but there's many, many battles that you and I are supposed to let him take care of. You enter into this place of trust and rest and obedience. That struggle in your marriage, you think that your spouse is the enemy all of a sudden. Mm -mm. That battle is not yours. You see, working in someone else's heart is not yours to do. God does that work. It's not yours to fight. You're going to make it worse if you're fighting against them. Yours is to do exactly what he says. If he says love them, love them. If he says forgive them, forgive them. If he says pray for them, pray for them. This battle is not yours. This is the Lord's. He will deliver you when you trust him. For those who will trust and obey, he'll make a way. Are you with me? All right. I think we've parked enough on that. Let's move on. Verse 16 here. He says, here's what I want you to do. Because I've said this, tomorrow, go down against them. That opposition that's coming against you, I want you to go down against them. I know you think you're outnumbered. I know you think they're bigger. I know you think they're badder. But you're going to go up against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Zis, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. He tells them exactly where he's going to meet them, and he tells them to go up against them. Now, I'd be a little nervous if I was Jehoshaphat at this point. I'd be just a little bit concerned because I'm realizing I don't have what they have. This could go badly, but you're telling me to go up against them. Okay, verse 17, you will not Need to fight in this battle. Woo! That's good news. But here's the news Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Position yourselves and stand still. It's a command to physically position themselves. It's a physical command to stand still, but boy, it's a heart command too. When you get into this battle, I don't want you to be filled with anxiety and fear and worry and doubt and pressure and stress and all that stuff. I want you instead to position yourselves as a child of God. You see, what you position yourself is will determine the outcome of the battle. What you position yourself as will determine the outcome of the battle. If you position yourself as a loser, you're probably going to lose the battle. If you position yourself as weak, you're probably not going to have strength. If you position yourself in fear and anxiety, you're not going to see the victory. Position yourself as a child of God who's with you, who's for you, who's given you a promise, who's called you to stand, and you stand in that moment, and he will fight the battle. See him deliver. This is going to be a complete move of faith. But like I told you, this is what God does. He always takes us into deeper places of faith. And he says to him, Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Mm. Jehoshaphat, don't do what your emotions might be telling you. Don't do what your thoughts might be telling you. Don't do what your old instinct would have done put first things first. God says, do this, do it. If he says, put him first, put him first. And this applies in our, all of our lives in your relationship. When he says, forgive first, you do that. If he says, bless those who curse you, you do that. You don't do it because it makes sense to you. You do it because God said to do it. This is a move of faith. If he says, wives, Love your husband with respect in the same way that the church does Christ. You do it. Even though it might not make sense to you, might not fit your emotions, might not fit your logic at the time, faith says, I'm going to trust God in this battle more than I trust me in this battle. Amen? The scripture says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Husbands, lay down your life for your wife regardless of what she's doing in the moment. This is your call. This is my call. Lay down your life. Do exactly what Jesus would do for the church and has done for the church. This is our call. This is first things first. If he says give the first fruits of all your increase, you give the first fruits of all your increase. You put first things first. God makes a way for those who put first things first. Verse 18. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Mm. I wish I had an iPhone video of this moment. I wish there was some way to see what was happening here. I wish someone had taken a picture. I wish someone had sketched it. I almost get the sense that it's this very reverent moment that the people of God who were in despair and struggle and they didn't know what was going to happen, they they sought God and he answered. He spoke directly to them, told them exactly what to do, but it was going to be this big thing of faith. They weren't going to go out armed with swords and all this stuff. They were going to go out and position themselves and just see that God is going to deliver them. That's big faith. And in this moment, it says they're all gathered together. And it says that Jehoshaphat bows his head. But this is not just a simple lean over on the chair in front of you, bow your head moment. This is one of those moments where he is so overcome with the mercy of God that he falls to the ground. His face is up against the ground you can't get any lower than this. It's this moment of deep humility. It says, and all the inhabitants are doing this. They are all gathered there in this moment of just reverence. They're face down to the ground. And I imagine it being quiet, being very still as they're trying to take in what has just happened that God has spoken to them. God has given them an answer. It's going to take incredible faith and a people, a mass of people are faced down to the ground in humility and quiet reverence before God. Mm. I don't know if someone's praying during this time. I don't know if there's some quiet singing going on. I don't know if some people are weeping, but it's this holy, reverent moment. Then verse 19 happens. It says, then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel With voices loud and high. Let me just help you here for just a moment. The Levites were those responsible for leading in ministry. If there were anyone in the group who knew God's law and God's ways, it was the Levites. If there was ever anybody who had been praying for the people and for God's direction, it was the Levites. If there was ever anybody who had any experience in walking with God and see how he works in people's lives and and families' lives and nations' lives, it was the Levites. They knew they had been praying for a long time. Maybe they sensed that this sense of, you know, uh, maybe boredom maybe laziness had overtaken the land it had been a prosperous time they hadn't been seeking God like they had in the past i don't know what it was but the levites are caught up in this moment all of a sudden and they see something happening here remember everybody's face down to the ground but all of a sudden the levites they do something very uncharacteristic the levites while everyone is bowed down to the ground the levites the bible says They stood up, they got up. They're on their feet and they start singing. They start lifting their voices and it's not with a reverential sense of what's going on in the moment here. It says they are doing so with voices loud and high. They all of a sudden have had something happen in them that say this moment's different than this. All of a sudden in this moment they say, you know what? This is what we've been praying for. This is what we've been longing for. We want to see God move and people, it's happening. We want to see our nation come together, it's happening. We wanted to see people cry out to God together, it's happening. And God moves when people come together and pray and trust him. Woo! And they sense it and they know it. That's what caused them to say, I got to get up. I can't lay down anymore. I got to get up. I got to stand up. I got to put my face up. I got to sing and shout up because God is about to move. Yeah. That's what's happening here in this passage. Amen. You see, those who've walked with God for a while know when these moments are coming. You've seen it before, and you'll, you know it's coming again. You can tell when the, when the temperature in the room changes. You can tell when the frequency of faith is adjusting. You can tell when something is different. You can tell when the atmosphere is shifting. You can tell that something's about to happen, and these Levites see it, and they stand up because they got excited all of a sudden. God is about to move. Woo. You need some people like that in your life. I hope you have some. That when you, when you got your face down to the ground in despair and you're crying out and you're praying and you're waiting and you're begging and you're wondering that someone comes along who's like a Levite to you and says, hey, it's time to stand up. God's about to move. God's about to do something big. God's about to change the situation here. God's about to show up. You need some people like that in your life. I hope you have some. It's important. It was important for them as a nation. And the Levites do that. They stand up and they start singing. And then they, mm, it gets time to go face the opposition. Let's move on. Verse 20. It says, so they rose early in the morning. First things first. And went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. In other words, when you put your belief and faith in God, you'll be able to stand secure. Your thoughts will be established. Your emotions will be established. Your decisions will be established. Trust him. First things first. That'll bring some order. That'll bring some peace. That'll bring some stability. That'll bring hope to you. That'll bring a place where you're stable, secure. And he says, believe his prophets and you shall prosper. If you trust him, if you believe him, if you'll do what he says, if you'll show it, You'll demonstrate your faith. Do what he says. Even when it doesn't make sense to you, put first things first. He says he'll bless you, verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. What? Jehoshaphat You're making a bold decision here. Jehoshaphat, you're about to go into battle. Jehoshaphat, I know you know some military strategy. Jehoshaphat, I know you've studied history and how to press into and make a military united front. Jehoshaphat, I know you have to know those things. And if Jehoshaphat were here, he'd say, yeah, I know those things, but I know something else as well. That our God had given us a promise and given us a word, and I put him first in all things of my life. And he said, In this situation, I wanted to make a statement, a bold statement of faith. He said, So what I did, he says, I took all those who were the singers, he says, and I brought them up, and I put them out front before the army. Jehoshaphat, that's crazy military strategy. Hey, this isn't military strategy. This is faith strategy. You see, I'm going to put the singers out front. Why would you do that, Jehoshaphat? He said, because we operate by promise first, not by our ability first. We operate off of what God says first, not what we say first. So in this statement of absolute trust and faith, We took those who sing praise and we put them out front because we want to lead with that. We want to lead with the confidence that God hears us. We want to lead with the confidence that God has spoken to us. We want to lead with the confidence that God's at work in us, that God's going to do something great. And so we're going to lead with the singers. And he put them out, it says, before the army, and they were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. They weren't saying, God, I hope this works. They weren't saying, God, I know we look like fools. Do something. No, they got out in front with the singers with a bold declaration. God is a God of mercy. He is good. And we lead with praise. Whew. I'm going to let him lead the army, Jehoshaphat said. We're going to go into battle and they are going to hear first, not the sound of our feet marching, not the ruckus sound of us chanting some military chant. They are going to hear us proclaiming the goodness of our God. You see, this changes how you lead in life. You don't have to go into situations and circumstances you're facing wondering if God's going to show up, begging him to show up. You don't have to go into those situations filled with anxiety and stress and pressure. You and I can walk into those situations with the absolute confidence that God is for us. God is with us. And if you're walking in obedience to his word, he will always make a way. But that's what he's looking for. Who will believe what I say? Who will trust me? Who will walk in the ways that I have established? Who will put first things first? The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are faithful to him. Who will put first things first? First things first in every area of life, because God wants to show up. God wants to show off on your behalf and do something majestic, powerful. Big promises mean big faith. Crazy commands lead to crazy faith. Michael Todd would say at his church in Oklahoma, crazy faith. If you get a chance, look him up. Michael Todd, crazy faith, Oklahoma. Not right now. Later this week. Okay? This is some crazy faith. They're putting the worshipers first. They're putting peace first. They're leading with God's presence. They're leading with faith. First things first. Jehoshaphat put first things first. Mm. I want you to see what happens in verse 22. It says, now, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord sent ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah. All those who had come against them, they heard the singing and the worship. And God does something powerful when they choose to put him first and lead. All of a sudden, the opposition, who had all camped out They heard the worship, and it did something to them. It confused them. It confounded them. It made them scratch their heads. It made them do crazy things. And what it did, it caused them to all attack each other. They set ambushes against each other, and sure enough, the people of God, just like he had promised, stood still, position themselves. And in that moment, the scripture says, this is what happened next. They were defeated. Every opposition lost their hold that day. They were all defeated. Whatever came against them, they ended up just plundering one another because God always makes a way for those who will put him first. So I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what has camped out against you. I don't know what is the wrestling point in your own heart and your mind. I don't know what forces have amassed themselves against you. But I will tell you this, there is one who is greater than your opposition. There is one who loves you more than you know. There is one who has a way for you to walk and he invites you to come and completely trust him. To stop all your self-fighting of the struggles, to stop trying to do it on your own, to stop trying to solve it in your own strength, to stop trying to let your own emotions lead, your thoughts lead, your decisions lead, and let God lead in your life. No matter how crazy the instructions or commandment might be, that you'd say, I, I'm going to put what God says first. I'm going to do it in my heart. I'm going to do it in my marriage. I'm going to do it with my children. I'm going to do it in my relationships. I'm going to do it with my resources. I'm going to do it with whatever he gives me. Because whatever I put, whenever I put him first, he promises he'll always make a way. So what's the need you've got today? What's the spot that you'd look at and think, this looks pretty difficult, maybe even impossible. Would you be willing to put what God says first? Would you be willing to put everything else aside, your own reputation, your own thoughts, your own plans, and do exactly what he says first. Bow your heads with me. Father, today, we all know what it's like to have opposition against us. We all know what it's like when the thoughts are racing, when the attack is spiritual, when the emotions are out of control, when the circumstances are more than we can handle. And God, you've promised that you're the way maker, that you're the one who will deliver and has delivered. You are the one that sent your son to take our sin when there was no way for our sin to be dealt with. You are the one who rose victorious over death and the grave and even sin's power when there was no way. And because of that, God, We can trust you with everything within us. We can wholly and completely know that when we put you first, what you say first, that you always uphold and bless your word. So today we choose by faith to let you drive what's First, and may our hearts surrender. May our hearts willingly obey. May we do what you say because you are our God, you are our King, you are our Father, you are the Redeemer. You are our savior. You are the one who's blessed us. You are the one who's raised us up. You are the one who makes us more than conquerors. You are the one who's promised that no weapon formed, us, formed against us will stand. You are the one who has promised to give life. You are the one who's promised to deliver us. You are the one we will spend eternity with. And so we trust in your name and put you first in Jesus' name. Wow, what an incredible message we had today. Make sure you click like and subscribe down below and we'll see you next week.